Welcome to the Market Beautifully Podcast, a show where I offer marketing advice for lady entrepreneurs who crave to crack the code when it comes to getting noticed or expanding their brand online. I'm your host, Haley, and I can't wait to chat with you about what I have planned for today's episode. Hello, so I just got off Skype with Janet, who I'm interviewing today for this episode, and all I can say is, Wow, this is a longer episode, but seriously, it's straight fire. We talk about modern strategies to market physical products online, and these strategies can, of course, be used even if you don't sell physical products. But we cover Instagram, Pinterest, content creation, ads, Facebook retargeting, and email marketing. It is a lot, but it is so awesome when we talk about how it all works together. And I feel like we could have nerded out over these topics for hours, but we did our best to keep it at an hour. So this is worth every second of listening to because I know without a doubt you are going to get inspired and have so many fresh marketing ideas when this episode is over for your own products and services. So pop your earbuds in and let's go and chat with Janet together. Welcome to the show, Janet. I'm really glad that you're here. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so I'm so excited to talk to you about business and marketing strategies because you use so many awesome marketing strategies and I can't wait to dive into all of this. But first, tell us all about what you do and what you sell and the amazing product you have. (laughs) Well, thank you for that great intro. So Janet Gwynn Designs is a creative design studio that will be turning into a lifestyle brand, but we're really well known for our mobile laptop cases and our hand-painted phone cases and pop socket. All the phone cases and Pop sockets are actually hand painted by me in studio. And yeah, that's what we do. Yeah. And it's there's it's so gorgeous. And I will put a picture in the show notes because I actually purchased a laptop case and a skin cover for my laptop. So I'll have to show you guys pictures of it. And I put it on Instagram stories the other Aww. day. So yeah, I will definitely put that in the show notes if you want to go check it out as well as her shop page. But yeah, so what made you want to start selling these types of products? Like what got you into that? I started when I was 17 in high school in art class. I was literally just painting my phone cases, and everyone's just like, oh, my goodness, can you paint my phone case? And long before I, like, shortly before I know it, it turned into a business. And I was like, okay, I'm going to totally make a living off of this. But then that discrepancy when you're a high school senior, you have to either go to college or get a 9-to-5 job. There was no pathway to be an entrepreneur. So I really didn't know what I wanted to do. So I did the community college route, but I dropped out of college after year end because I realized all I wanted to do was start this business. And once, when you can't stop thinking about something, you yep. should just do it. Because sure. at one point in my life, I was so unhappy. I was working 90 hours in retail. I had no life. And I realized I wasn't going anywhere in my life I wanted to be at. Everyone always asked me, what's my big moment of having Janet Gwen Designs, like starting it again? There was no big moment. There was no epiphany. It was just that realism. Realiz- <laughs> I can't even say that word right now. <laughs> um, moment that I realized, there we go, realized that I don't want to be this unhappy for the rest of my life. And the only person who can change the course of my life, it's me. So I was in complete control of my happiness. And that's when I just took that leap of faith because it was either not do it or just keep working in retail. And that was not even a great like outcome I wanted to do. Yeah. Retail for the rest of your life doesn't sound very appealing. (laughs) I know it's ironic because I do kind of do a form of retail online, but it's my business. Right. So, yeah, and I just love creating phone cases because it's art on every surface. It's making art accessible to everyone, and you're literally carrying a piece of artwork with you on a piece of um, electronic that we can't even go without. So might as well make right. it pretty. Right, yeah. 
And I love that. Yeah, because you have iPad cases, laptop cases, skin covers, phone cases, like, and it just, it makes this so beautiful. And I feel like it's perfect for the entrepreneur because, I mean, our laptop, I feel like, is our life. So you may as well pimp it out. It makes you feel good whenever you wake up in the morning. You're like, man, I'm working on a beautiful piece of equipment here. (laughs) Yeah, and literally our mission is to make your hustle more beautiful. And it's literally, you're attached to it Mm 24-7 to make it pretty while you have to stare at it. Right, exactly. Yeah, I love it. And then whenever you take it out of a coffee shop, he has so many compliments. <laughs> and that's actually another part of our mission is to start conversations in real life because technology has disconnected us from everyone around us. Mm-hmm. But having this like a hand painted phone case because that's not like that's very that's not common at all. Right. You know, having a marble laptop case can be common, but it's still the aesthetic that's drawing people in to compliment you to start that conversation with you. So there's already that barrier broken down. So we really want to encourage real life interaction because we want to take it offline. It doesn't always have to be online, like on Facebook, on Instagram, because I know we get lost in the wormhole Uh of all that. But yes, that's our whole mission is just going out to the coffee shop and having that people compliment you. It's not about the compliments. It's just about breaking down that barrier and making it way more easier to socialize. Yeah, I love that. And I definitely think your product fills that solution and that need. So that's that's great. Uh, let's talk about Instagram because I love I love Instagram stories and I know you have a three month plan that you're implementing soon, right? Yes, very soon to be more consistent on Instagram because I literally just discovered Instagram filter this morning and I was so excited because I know Snapchat had it, but then I was like, oh, I can be a coral bear or whatever those ears are. I was like, <laughs> yeah. this is so cool. Lily just discovered it this morning, but our Instagram strategy has not been that great or consistent until I realized the power of it. Because at first, when I first rolled out, everyone I thought that no one would actually click on the Insta story because of the fact that well, we've been trained to scroll down, not right. to pause and stop, unless you're on Snapchat. But Instagram is still the number one social media platform compared to Snapchat, so right. that scrolling is still a habit. But since the Instagram story has been implemented, more people actually you reach more people with your Insta story than Insta posts nowadays. So that's why we decided to roll out a strategy that's around how we create our products because that hand-painted feature of our phone cases gets lost in the transition of photographs because even though we mention it like 10,000 times in our copy, people will still ask, is it hand-painted after like four times? And so Instastory is really going to help craft and show the benefits of our product and take it off that 2D and really show the behind the scenes of Jenny Quinn Designs because we're all a small business with a lot of personality. So Instastory is going to allow us to show that all. Right. So your your basic strategy is showing more behind the scenes and, and kind of bringing them in along the journey of the creation process? Yep, processes. And yep, that's pretty much it. It's not, it doesn't have to be anything elaborate because there is a 24-hour um, time frame on it because I think a lot of people get stuck on the aesthetic as well. Mm-hmm. Um. But Insta Story is where you can actually let go of all the rules and have a little fun with it. Mm-hmm. I, li- I read the statistic on, um, I think it was Vogue of UK, who doubled their following with Insta Story within a couple of months when it was released. So they had like a million followers, which I know is already a lot. So they doubled it to two millions within a couple of months by just using Insta Story every single day and showing behind the scenes and more real life glimpse of right. the business. Yeah. Because that's how people connect with you. 
And since Instagram Stories is so new, it helps with the algorithm. So, you know, Insta it's like when Facebook Live was getting pushed out and Facebook Live spent millions of dollars trying to get people to start using it. Well, now if, if you use it, you get bumped up in the algorithm because Facebook's trying to promote that. And it's the same way with Instagram Stories. They want you to use Instagram Stories. It's a new feature. So if you use it, your Instagram profile is going to be higher up in that algorithm and you're not going to be hurt as much because... Man, this new Instagram algorithm that rolled out, it hurt a lot of business owners. Um, it, that's hard. So just trying to stay on top of it as best you can. Trying to go with all the waves of Instagram craziness. <laughs> but Instagram really, Instagram stories really does help with that algorithm. So I actually did not know that. So I'm glad that you brought that up because we were working on the, we would, because that Instagram algorithm, yes, when it did come out, it hurt so many business because of the yeah. shadow banning. Yep. So we actually got shadow banned. Oh, me so, too. It hurt. And, it hurt me bad. Um, Thankfully, it only was a week because we fixed it. There's a couple of fixes, no guarantee, but we had to switch off from a business profile and really just focus on our engagement because that's what's going to get us back away from the shadow ban and not using the same hashtag over and over again. I did not realize Insta Story actually helps with algorithms, so that's great to yeah. keep in mind. Yeah. Oh, I got shadow banned and I didn't know how to fix it and I was so busy I didn't even think about about fixing it and I was shadow banned for probably a good month or month and a half. Like, it was a while. Wow. Um, yeah, my... I was getting over 150 likes um, around there pretty consistently, and then I dropped down to 20, which, you know, I almost have 10,000 followers now, and, I mean, I know my posts don't get seen. It's it's a business profile, so, you know, that alone, your posts aren't going to get as high of engagement, but then you're going into the, okay, I'm only getting 20 likes, and only 500 of the 10,000 people are even seeing this post, Okay, really, Instagram? Come on. <laughs> it's a, they're owned by Facebook, so it's a um, pay-to-play game right. now. That's right. why if you can get off the business profile, yes, I love the analytics, but there's so many third-party um, websites you can use. Like we use Iconosquare and mm -hmm. PeopleMap to really track our analytics without it being directly on that platform because the minute you even use any of it, you're paying for the benefits in other ways, and that may be a decrease in engagement until you actually pay to be seen. Right. Right, yeah, and I hate that they're moving to pay-to-play, but Instagram Stories is definitely the place to be because I am getting a lot a lot of engagement on my Instagram Stories. Like, on my Instagram post, I don't get that much engagement. Now, I mean, I mean, I get 7 to 10 comments sometimes, which is awesome, but when I get an Instagram Story out, I mean, I really connect with my audience there. It's just a place that you can show what you're doing, and I don't think you should be showing your kids and dogs every single time, but it at least connects them like, hey, I'm a fur mom. Are you a fur mom? Tell me some fur mom tips. And then you connect because you're a fur mom. And, you know, it has nothing to do with business, but now you feel like your best friend. So it's it's like a connection. It's like you feel like your best friends with that person whenever you're doing Instagram stories rather than, I don't know, just sending out a post that maybe not be salesy, but it sounds more like a pitch or something than just a real genuine connection. Yeah, it's very curated. The posts are curated while Insta story shows them the realness of brands. Right, yeah. So is there any other Instagram strategies that you've thought about implementing since the latest algorithm change? Really just engagement. What we focus on is not the number of followers because everyone's playing that follow and follow game. It's yep. so frustrating. So we don't want to focus on the number of followers. We focus on our engagement rate. So we actually try to increase our engagement rate, rate at least by 0.5%. And that may not sound like a lot, but if you actually 
so your engagement rate is your likes and comments divided by your followers. Right now, we're around a five or six percent. The average is actually two to three percent. So we're good. actually way above it, yeah. and that's what we focus on because that's how you build the community and brand loyalty is by interacting and by getting that engagement. Because I I care more about the number of comments we have because anyone can like a picture, but I care about the quality of comments and the amount of comments we have because that means people are responding versus let me see how many followers can I get. So all right. strategy has always been engagement and first followers last because the yeah. followers will eventually come. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's like with me, I, I got up to that point where, okay, I've reached a big amount of followers and now I have not like a big amount, but you know, I mean a, a good mm-hmm. chunk. Well now every time I post, I don't even reach those people. So all those followers, not that they're pointless, but I can't even talk to them, which stinks. And, and that's the downfall of not really I guess putting all your eggs in one basket and that's why we don't put all our eggs in one basket because platforms can change any stinking day and it sucks. <laughs> yeah, and that's why you should have an email list. Email exactly. list is gold nowadays. There's no reason why you shouldn't have one and that's a platform that can never be taken away from you. Right. Yeah, I love that we can own our own email list and there's so many creative things that we can do with our email list. And, you know, we'll we'll get into Facebook ads today, but let's say that you were on Instagram and you promoted your email list offer to get on your email list and had 2,000 people. Well, now you have all that data backed up and you can upload that to Facebook and say, hey, Facebook, I want to send a Facebook ad to people that look just like the people on my email list. So there are so many creative things that you can do with your email list once you have it, as well as retarget and market and all that just awesome stuff and connect and you control the message. So that's definitely a big plus. Yeah, retargeting is a big thing and looking like audience for Facebook ads. Mm hmm. Yes. Okay, let's let's move on to Pinterest because you had a pin that went viral. Tell us about that. Like, tell us about the design, the setup, everything. Oh, the design was completely crappy. Um, it was <laughs> the first time I – that's why I, when people was like, well, I need product photography. I need to do this. I need to do that to get started. It needs to be perfect. No, it absolutely does not. The pin that went viral with over 120,000 repins and still going was a marble case taken on a dark, hard wood table and everyone knows you're not supposed to take pictures of products on a dark surface guess what i did that and it still went viral so it's not about the quality of the picture but the quality of the product that's in the picture and since then we have refocused on actually um, caring about aesthetic but in the beginning it's just good to get out there because it takes three and a half months for any pin to go viral so you never really know whether it's actually working until that couple months later and that's the only downfall of pinterest because the algorithm is completely unknown besides the fact that they work on a smart feed so the way that I would always recommend people to have that higher chance of virability because that's like the goal for everyone but just to be seen by Pinterest is yes to have that good aesthetic like that great product photography but it's not the make or break it of that whole um system so have a product photography that's vertical because they're all about vertical layout versus the square they actually recommend against square photos and my first photo that went viral was a square photo so again um all the image guidelines they give you is not a make or break it it's what's in the photo that counts but then using keywords um for search engine optimization in your title and your board and your description and they actually um do better if you have long-winded keywords so that means that instead of just putting marble 
think about what your target audience would actually search for. For us, it would be mobile laptop cases, mobile MacBooks, and then for phone cases, we'll do phone cases, iPhone 7, like long-winded. And then you can even look up the suggestion, suggestions because now they um, fix the whole search engine where when you put in mobile, you get all these other suggestions. And those are actually the keywords you should be using. And you should only be putting your eggs in the basket that you're relevant to because those tons of articles I read where one person was like, no, you should be in every single category. I'm not targeted towards um, baby showers. Baby showers, right. just off the top of my head, I'm not relevant to it. So I'm not going to try to put keywords that are like baby shower in my product right. description. Definitely just do it very concentrated, but not too concentrated where you can't reach anyone. So let's say that we were trying to find the perfect keywords and we went to that search bar and, you know, we looked at the suggestions and we wrote down our list of keywords. Okay, now that we have that list of keywords, what's our first thing that we need to do with those keywords? Use them in your boards, use them in your title, use them in your description, like write four on sentences. So the way the description work is actually where you can actually put the most of those keywords in. So the way does this description work is just like Instagram, it collapses. So your first sentence should be something that draws the um, audience in. Mm -hmm. So for us, it'll be like, um, so we had a picture of my dog actually, Clyde, with a laptop case. So we were like, oh, four babies love our cases too. And then you do a space and break it just like Instagram, how you hide the hashtags in the first comment or with like with the five dots, you can do the same thing with Pinterest, but just space it because they don't, they're not that strict like Instagram. Then you use those keywords you just used and you can use, combine them to make long winded keywords like how I said, mobile laptop case. And then you can do a space and then do the next and then do the next Like you can break it up. They're not, they don't actually find like Google will actually penalize you for that, but right. Pinterest will not. Right. Yeah. And, you know, every SEO, I guess, engine is, is so different. So, yeah, that's good to know because with keywords, they call that keyword stuffing on Google and Google hates that. But um, Exactly. And Pinterest doesn't care. Right. But I'm not saying stuff it with like 200 keywords. I always do right. at least a max of 10. And the way good I space know. it out, and you can even write sentences that are more keyword heavy. So it's more like you're telling a story versus, hey, I'm really just trying to pitch you and try to find this audience. Right, right. Yeah, and I do that with board descriptions too, do you? Like I just, I don't even have sentences. I just do keywords on my board yep. descriptions. Every, keywords need to be everywhere from boards to title, especially in board title when people want to get like crafty and be like, like yummy in my tummy for like like recipes. That's a big no-no. You're actually supposed to just do recipes. So anything that's search engine friendly, because you may be, that's a clever way of saying it, but how many people are going to think right. of that that way? Right. Yeah. And I know everyone really wants their profile or your Pinterest profile to be super cutesy, but you're right. Your Pinterest account is meant for search engines and that's your main goal. So may take, to be found. yeah, may take the, a little bit of the cutesy out. <laughs> actually yeah so the aesthetic still actually does matter on pinterest but how often is someone actually going to go to your pinterest profile and look at it they care more about the individual pins than they will about your whole pinterest profile so yeah take some of the cutesy out but i will say that we actually still keep on brand with our aesthetic if you go to our pinterest right. feed with it's the still board covers all, yep with the board yeah. covers and yeah. the, just the pins we choose because we're still trying to reach our target audience and they're going to mm -hmm. be more pulled by our aesthetics so yeah but that's not like a main focus. Like my team and I didn't even focus on that until like three weeks into really redoing our whole Pinterest. We care more about the quality of pins we were right. doing out than what we had. Cause yeah, no one's going to check your profile. Right. 
yeah a lot of people don't even get to your profile but you do need to I mean I suggest board I think board covers are a, a good thing I'm talking more cutesy when it comes to your board titles but your board covers I mean you can you can do some really awesome things with that and use some awesome stock photography and and I love it I love that you can put your little logo in the corner of each board cover and it's very branded and it makes you look a lot more professional Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because we still keep that consistent look throughout all of our boards, except for we don't do the logo thing because now the pictures are ours and the oh. whole point of yeah, the whole point of Pinterest is eighty percent other content, twenty percent yours. So we actually have we do eleven pins a day, but only two of the pins out of eleven pins are actually ours. Oh, okay. So Big, you pin you say you pin thirteen times a day? Eleven times a day oh, is 11. actually okay. the max that's recommended by Pinterest. No more than 11. Um, no no lower than 5. Okay. So 5 to 11 pins a day and 80-20 rule. So that's why they someone gave me this average. I can't average it out of my head because math is just not my calling right this moment. And neither is words apparently. But yeah, so out of the 11 pins, only 2 pins are ours. Because okay. the people who are following us, they're not going to want to see... 11 pins that's just of Janet Gwen designs they're going to see other things that relate to them and um if you have a business profile which you should get there's mm -hmm. analytics that you can actually use to create these boards that your audience is actually interested in and it's actually can be found in the analytics you drop it down to people you reach and then it'll actually show you boards that they're interested in and every business should be using that to get the target audience in because we create a board for every single one of those interests yeah. Oh, I love that. That is such a fantastic tip. I've never heard of that. Um, yeah, I take a lot. Like my team and I went a little crazy with Pinterest for the last two months and learned everything we could. We've taken so many courses. It's ridiculous. And that was the one genius. I Like one of the few geniuses that I was like, that's brilliant because how else are you going to reach your target audience? Not by keep pinning your right. stuff, but by actually appealing to the other interests. And Pinterest shows you all that. They even show you how people are seeing your product. So a lot of my products are always on wish list and tech accessories. So I see how they're arranging it. So that's how you arrange your feed as well. Okay, I love that. Okay, now I hear my audience saying, I feel like I hear it in my head. They're saying, hey, Lee, how am I going to be able to pin two times every single day of my own content? I don't even have enough. So what would you say to that? Would you say looping your old content or how would you approach that? So you, you definitely should be looping your contact every so often. But the thing with, you don't want to repeat it too much on Pinterest because of the fact that every pin will live there for a while. You never want to delete a pin even though it's not doing well because you know, never know when it will actually gain traction. You should actually go back and add keywords to your pins mm. versus deleting it. Because like I said, it takes three and a half months for a pin to go viral. You won't actually ever know how well your pin is doing until like 90 days in. So don't ever delete a pin. And if you feel like you don't have enough content, repurpose your content from other social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram. We do a lot of repurposing from our Instagram and our um, website. Coming up with two content, it's not hard if you're repurposing. Like you, the key to all this content, because you don't want to be burnt out on content like creation, is repurposing content. So if you have an Instagram post and it has a call to action and it's like really awesome and aesthetic, reuse that for pin just pin it directly from your instagram to your pinterest and you can actually if it's a product reroute that to the actual product that's in the picture i love that it's not yeah it's really not complicated i people would see pinterest and they're like i don't even know where to start right i'm just like just stop pinning i literally did not know what i was doing either i just realized 
I just knew I had to pin pictures to Pinterest and that's literally what I did. If that's all you need to do in the beginning, just do it because yeah. no one's going to know what you have if you don't share it. Yeah. And and that's why I love being able to put out content. Like for you, you have products that you can put out. And for me, like I don't have, let's say, a physical product. So what I have podcast episodes, I have blog posts. Like there are so many things that you can do no matter what industry you're in to put on Pinterest that's connected to your website somehow. Um, and I love, oh, I love all your photography though. And I feel like that's what is killer, but also it's something not to get too <laughs> caught up on. Like you said, just getting it out there. Uh, okay. Yeah. Let's talk about rich pens. So, okay. So rich pens are actually not that complicated either. Right. It's just, you have to have the, um, actually, if you have Shopify, I'll tell you guys a quick and easy way to do this. If you have Shopify, Pinterest, um, you can actually go to the sales channel in the app section of Shopify and just add Pinterest as a sales channel, and that's how you create rich pins. That's nice. it. Because it connects it directly to Shopify, so it updates every time you have a stock in stock and updates the prices every time you update the prices. So Shopify makes it super easy for you to do that. So rich pins, I haven't really seen much of a difference between them, but it does drive traffic because people can see the prices right away from it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm like, that's a double-edged sword because I kind of want them to click on the pin go to my website then find the price right because right. then they're already on my site they already know a little bit more than about me than what the pin shows right so it yes and no to the rich pins but yes shopify has a very easy way to do that just add pinterest as a sales channel right and if you um don't have shopify and you're using wordpress then i have a blog post and i'll put that in the show notes uh, that explains how to install rich pins on that to automate the pins so yeah 11 pins does sound like it's a lot but there's a way to automate it we use tailwind specifically tailwind will like it takes two hours a week just to schedule it out through the whole week and that's what we spend each week doing on and it makes it the whole process a lot simpler so don't get like stressed out and overwhelmed by hearing oh my goodness she pins 11 times a day i do not personally go in and go and pin the pins tailwind does that all for me so there's really no um, reason why you shouldn't be um, very consistent on Pinterest because there's literally a third-party app that will consistently post for you. Uh, and I use Board Booster to loop pins because Tailwind doesn't have that looping function, does it? And Well, yes, actually, it does It now. does? Oh, yes. is that recent? But, um, I think it is recent. They made a lot of changes to Tailwind. Okay. I just don't recommend looping it too much because then if you have all these pins of the same content, then your data will be dispersed. If right. that makes sense. Right, yeah. Like, so combine that one pin that I have is 120,000, but individually the most one had was 80,000 and then sporadically around. But I would have loved to actually, like, it's probably more than 120,000 because I keep saying that for the last year. But <laughs> I can literally go, like, search myself on Pinterest and see all these different pins. They have all these random thousand of, like, likes, but ideally you want to keep that consistent with one even though all the traffic does go back to me but just to analyze the data and know what's really doing well it's nice to have it all in one place so I don't recommend looping it too often right yeah that's good advice I like that especially with products for sure because you don't want to oversaturate your own product with the same picture especially when it's not a great picture so it's still like I still cringe every time I see this picture on Pinterest I'm like why but Pinterest (laughs) decided it was gonna go viral not me so (laughs) Pinterest is really trying to push that one out Yeah, it really, that's why I was like, don't worry about product photography. And if you guys want to know what I'm talking about, just type in Janet Quinn Designs and you'll see it right away. It's so <laughs> gross. 
Okay, I think another big thing on Pinterest that I'm thinking about is getting your website confirmed. And a lot of people don't do this or don't know that you can do this. But if you get your website confirmed, then you can get your website analytics. You know how on your business account you have that analytics section? Mm -hmm. You have the website now section. So you can look at, okay, now, which Shopify probably automatically does this for you when you install Rich Pins and all that. It doesn't? Nope, you have to confirm it too. It takes like two seconds to confirm. Yeah, it doesn't take long. Yeah, do all the extra steps. Like, you can actually go to the analytics, and it'll walk you through each section to get it set up. Right. So, if anything, to get started, just walk yourself through each of the sections. Because, yeah, like you said, the website thing will actually tell you how many people are pinning from your website. Right. Yeah. And it's so awesome because now I'm able to know, okay, I mean, I have a lot of repins on one pin, but then another pin, I may have a few less repins, but I'm getting more traffic from it. So I know that, okay, this one has a high click-through rate, which is awesome. And this one has a high repin rate. So you just kind of see what topics people enjoy just repinning. And then you see the topics that I'm like, oh, this really resonated with them and they wanted to take action on it. So it's just interesting. And it's good to know that because then I know if I get on Facebook Live, I know what topic that my Pinterest people are loving. So then I can do a Facebook Live session and it resonates with them more because I know it's a solu- it's a topic that they actually want that solution for. And you know that anything that has a high click-through rate, you should actually be promoting it on Pinterest. Oh, yeah. 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 So that's actually how a lot of people, because Pinterest ads are a new thing, but since Facebook mm-hmm. ads are all getting a little bit saturated, everyone's moving over to Pinterest. And all the research I've done was just like, you anything, any pin that has a great click-through rate, because that's essentially what you want, make it into a campaign to click through for more traffic, because it's already doing well. So it's going right. to be boosted to the top of the smart feed anyways. Right. Yeah. I love, I love that idea, because I feel like Pinterest ads, it's, it's kind of like the wild, wild west right now. <laughs> You know, it's like Facebook ads has come a long way. Um, And they used to be like that, I feel like a year and a half ago. And now Pinterest is like that. You can get your cost per click so low on Pinterest. Whenever you go to Facebook, it may not be like that. So, you know, it's good to know the kind of platforms that but Pinterest ads aren't for everyone. Um, Some people it may not work for them as well. It depends on your industry and your target audience and all that. Yes and no to that, just because it's really just if you understand how it's done. Google, um, Pinterest ads are actually exactly like Google ads in most aspects. So if you know how to run Google ads, you can run Pinterest ads pretty successfully. Do you feel all, like the back end is similar? Yeah, very similar because really? I've never run Google ads, but I had someone explain it to me because I'm oh. a marketing node. I was telling Haley, like I really get into marketing. So I had someone explain to me every single kind of marketing platform and Google ads it's the same way because it focuses on keywords right right the focus is but the back end pinterest is actually more user-friendly than google is google if you're on the back end it is so freaking confusing and there's so many different phrases that don't even make sense i'm in google ads every day for clients and i mean if i was going in and not even knowing anything about it it would be so overwhelming but pinterest I encourage everyone to look at the back end of Pinterest ads because it's a lot less or it's a lot more user friendly when it comes to, I, I, I guess, like understanding, okay, the ad is going to this person, you know, all that stuff. It's a lot easier. Do you feel like that? You feel like anyone oh, no, could really. Like, yeah, pick anyone it up? can do Pinterest. That's why I was like, definitely just give it a try because if anything, you're losing a couple of dollars, but you can have made yeah. 
X amount more. So try it. Yeah. And then if you lose money, definitely, but definitely do your research beforehand because Pinterest is like the wild, wild west, like you said. I like the way you phrase that because it is. Yeah. Because I read like someone from Pinterest did a podcast interview and I was listening to it. Like when I said I was obsessed with Pinterest for the last couple of weeks, I'm not kidding. I listened to every single podcast, every single, um, read every single blog that even had mentioned promoted pins. And someone said that, you actually get counted on folk each keywords but then one pinterest person who actually like she works at pinterest was like she had one big business and used over 200 keywords in one ad and didn't even get penalized wow so it's definitely a try and error yeah that's why i was like uh that's a lot yeah yeah a little yeah. overkill <laughs> oh i'm like who has time for that but hey bigger yeah. businesses do but yeah just try it because you really have nothing to lose but either and if you do the campaigns click for traffic like the click through yep. you don't actually pay until someone clicks through so you, yep. it's actually kind of hard to lose money on pinterest if you do that type of campaign never do an engagement campaign engagement campaigns is only for big business yep. but for traffic campaign you really can't lose out unless they click through and that's exactly what you want them to do. Right. Yeah. And it's easier to go viral. Like I always tell people, cause I feel like a lot of people are a little nervous cause they're like, I don't want to spend money on this. But I'm like, Hey, if you get a hundred repins and no one clicks through, you're not paying a penny, which is encouraging because you know, okay, well I I didn't have to pay for someone that didn't even come to my website. And I feel like a lot of, of I guess the mindset around Pinterest is I'm going to spend all this money on someone repinning or liking my pin and no one's actually going to click through or take that action that I want them to take. But that's not the case at all. And the reason why I do say that Pinterest ads are not for everybody is because if you don't have a solid strategy in place, like if you don't know where your traffic is being sent to, like for a physical product, you know where your traffic is being sent to. Like a beautiful marble laptop case, you know, that is, that's awesome product that you can send people to. Let's say you're sending people to a blog post and you're wanting to promote that. Well, if I don't have anything on that blog post that I can monetize or push or get them on my email list, don't just pin or promote pins or promote pins for no purpose. Um, and that's just something that I've seen with people. They hear, oh, yeah, this is going to make me money. And then they just start throwing money at ads. And I'm like, what you doing, girl? I don't think it's working. So <laughs> I just want to be clear about that. So go in with a solid strategy. Know, okay, I'm going to spend this money I'm going to invest, you know, let's say $30 on this pen and your $100 on this pen. How much am I going to get in return based on these numbers? You know, I, w- I want you to start thinking like that and get in that mindset if you're going to do paid advertising because it's a good mindset to have and you can scale so quickly if you if you start thinking like that. Oh, yeah, you definitely have to strategically think about it because mm-hmm. that's the only way to grow because you want to know where each of the mocking dollar goes and how much it costs per customer acquisition. So I definitely believe like agree with you mm-hmm. 100% that has to be a call to action. Even if you're promoting blog posts, is it yep. the purpose of that blog post to drive people to an email list? Then that's your purpose. But if right. it's just a blog post for the sake of a blog post, I agree. Yeah, don't do promote right. pins. That makes no sense. Right, which is what I see because then they get their traffic up on their website and that's what their goal is. They want a lot of traffic on their Google Analytics and this is something that I feel like a lot of people are thinking in their Why? head. A lot of it is, let's say, bloggers, they want to go to a brand, like a collaboration brand, you know, and they want to, let's say, work with Aerie. And so then they have all these stats on Google Analytics. But 
I do want to say email list is so much more important than your traffic because they might come to your website. They're looking at 100 to 200 websites a day. They're not going to remember yours. You want to be remembered. You want to, you know, you want to have that brand presence in their life. So. Oh, absolutely. And most businesses nowadays will probably want like to know your conversion rate versus traffic because yeah. not all traffic is quality and you nope. want quality traffic that will convert. Right. Because I work with a lot of influencers and that's my big question every single time is what's your conversion rate because yep. I'm I'm glad like someone who has 150,000 followers may not even be converting any of that traffic which is so, sad yeah, probably, but yeah it is yeah I'm not going to get into why you should always be optimizing like your traffic and have a purpose right. for it because there's no point otherwise literally right. no point yeah and that's always something to keep in mind for sure is is conversions engagement and all of all of that no matter what platform you're on but I, I love what we've covered on Pinterest so far. I think this is is fantastic, and it's a lot of like SEO and making sure your Pinterest profile is optimized and and all of that awesome stuff. So I'm so glad you shared all those strategies. Thank you. Thanks. I could talk about it for hours, so we can totally move on. I just been on like I said a Pinterest kick, so all this information. Is yeah. Like I love it. Do you have anything more that that's on your mind about Pinterest? Oh, one thing I did learn that was yeah. like genius from one podcast, a call to action in your bio. Love so it. yeah, so you should definitely put keywords in your bio as well. But if you go to my Pinterest, you'll see that there's a call to action. And Melissa Griffin actually does this very well too, because I actually got the strategy from her, where it, it says grab your freebie here. And it has a bit link. Because Obviously, you can still convert from your bio, not just your right. pin. So if they do check it out, have a call to action in there. Like, right. I thought that was genius for some reason. I was like, why didn't I optimize off of that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had a 90-plus free stock photography download on my Pinterest profile, and it converted, like, it was awesome. I mean, it was fantastic how many emails I got from that one list or because I did a specific link and I always encourage people to do this too. Like for my Instagram profile, I had a different landing page for Instagram and then another profile or for a landing page for Pinterest. So I knew how many people came from each platform and it was so amazing how many people actually clicked. I didn't think that my Pinterest profile traffic would be big, but it does get big if you your pins start getting in people's feeds and you'd be surprised how many people do view your Pinterest profile. So if you optimize there, you will get emails on your list if you have a good enough freebie that, you know, is obviously related to your target audience yeah no definitely be optimizing in every single way because pinterest that pin again never dies so you never know when that traffic is going to actually die down but think yep. about it, it's still consistent traffic well not consistent that's a bad word for it because it will go up and down but at least it's still traffic okay so content creation what kind of content are you creating on like social media or your website or anything that's really driving traffic or promoting sales so our flatlays do, do really well, but when we create content, we always think about what our target audience would do. Like how would they, um, we think about the situations our product will be in and try to convey that through our content creation. And we try to, like our new content strategy that we're working our way into is also showing more personality of our, what our target audience represents. So our target is fun, the go-getters, the girl bosses in their own way, like in every single way. So how can we convey that through our content creation? So we really think about it like in depth. Like I said, like content creation is like our number one headache, but it's the one thing I love to do. But that we have to ask ourselves these questions, just what our target audience, where do they see themselves? Do they travel? Do they want to see um, our products and destinations? And 
most of the time they love that. Like what's going to get them to engage and what can they relate to? I like that. So a lot of your content is just around the actual photo itself on your product page. Yeah, so the product is not the main focus. It's actually the lifestyle behind it. Right. Because they're going to see the case, but I feel like that's so pitchy just to be like, oh, let me just keep taking straight on pictures of this case over and over and over again. Instead, we insert it into a lifestyle and promote it that way. So it's almost like it's that jab, jab, right hook. Yeah, and, for Gary Vee. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Love him. That's yeah, literally what our content strategy is based on. And I love I love that approach to it because I think it's a unique approach. I feel like a lot of people and I mean even you see Amazon. Amazon is slowly integrating lifestyle pictures, but even there's still more of those straight on shots. But it's more corporate feeling. And us as a small business owners, we don't want to feel like our business is corporate. We're trying to get away from that vibe. So I like that, you know, you're showing your vibrant personality and letting other people kind of see themselves in those pictures in that different lifestyle shot. Because most people get a product and they want to see how, like, uh, different ways of using it. Kenzie, my um, social media manager, came up with this one picture that I didn't think would do well until I saw two other tag pictures of the same pose. It was just someone with a really nice outfit on posed against a br white brick wall. I was like, Kenzie, I, I don't think our case counts as an accessory because she was, like, carrying it like it was, like, a laptop sleeve. But it worked because... Not even a day later, we had two tags from different bloggers carrying it the same exact way. I was like, okay, I stand corrected. So people really just want to envision themselves and be inspired by your feed. Right. So really think about what people relate to. Give them ideas of how they can use your products and encourage them to take pictures because that's free marketing right there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I love that. So how do you use other people's pictures in your own feed? Do you do that? And how does yes, that kind of work? Time. So tag pictures. So I work with a lot of influencers. So we have we used to do influencer marketing hardcore. We're getting off that just a little bit because I, we oversaturated the market, if that was even possible. <laughs> but we oversaturated the market just a little bit um, because we were everywhere. So it was not making a big impact. But influencer marketing is great for any small business who hasn't done it before. And because you're pairing up with a blogger or influencer because not everyone has a blog anymore. Some people Insta blog, but influencers with a huge following. So you're being exposed to their audience. And usually the arrangement is I give them free products in exchange for pictures. And I always encourage, even with our, it goes in our packaging. We mail out to every on every single package that ask them to tag us, show us, show them the hustle and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So we really encourage that because it's it's better to see real people using our product versus all these style shoots because it, yeah. that's what makes it real. So yeah, so we definitely use it all the time, tag pictures. Well, I love that because your target audience is entrepreneurs, basically. So like for me, for instance, if I, I saw this laptop case and I'm about to get a new photo, uh, like headshots done, well... As an entrepreneur, as my brand, I'm like a more of a personal brand. I don't want corporate photos, so what am I going to do? I'm going to do a lifestyle shoot. Okay, so now I see this awesome MacBook case in a lifestyle shoot on your Instagram or on your website. Okay, well now I want this laptop case in my photo shoot for my brand because I see how awesome it looks in those photos. And, and this is actually real life because I'm having a a photographer come down and now I'm having a lifestyle shoot with this case because it is so beautiful and it's gonna make all these like all these photos just so awesome so I mean it's something to think about like whenever you're thinking about your product or your service like how can your audience envision themselves in using whatever it is even if it's a coaching program like 
put put photography on okay how is it going to feel like to be on Skype with you or how is it going to feel to have that end goal like what photography can you use to convey that message absolutely you're, what you're taking pictures of because I know a lot of people hate product photography but it's really about how you're carrying that experience across let's end this with Facebook ads and retargeting so let's talk about what retargeting is first before we get into the Facebook ad aspect but retargeting is just like okay for instance I went to your website and I saw a marble laptop case I thought oh my goodness I love this well I didn't check out so then I hopped off her website then I went on Facebook, maybe 12 hours later. Well, all of a sudden, there is a beautiful Facebook ad in my feed of, hey, the, you know, where did you go? Or it, it could be, where did you go if you left the, the cart? Or But I know you send out emails if someone abandons the cart. We do like call cart abandoned emails. And then you have a Facebook ad that just has a product display. So you use a carousel ad, right? On Facebook. Yep, it's a product. It's called a product catalog. It's called a di- right. actually dynamic ad on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And then you can actually, there's an app on Shopify that um, Shopify that actually has it to create that carousel. And then you can use that same code to go into um, Facebook ads. But yeah, it's just a product catalog that goes through all your products because what you want to do is when you're retargeting, you want to do it to the products that they were just looking at. If you show them products that is relevant, but not exactly the one they're looking at, then they're going to be like, okay, I don't really care. So right. to really optimize on your retargeting, you want to use a product catalog that would um, automatically show them the product that they were essentially looking at it and stalk them across Facebook. Right, exactly. In the nicest, in the nicest way ever, it's stalking you. Yeah, but I think it's good because a lot of people get busy. A lot of people have children that may have distracted them and then they, they might have wanted to buy the product, but then they completely forgot or they had to fill their baby's bottle or their baby woke up from a nap. Like there's so many different factors that have them exit off the website. It may not be, oh, I don't want to buy this. It could be they just got busy. So it's good to get in front of them again and say, hey, we'd love to have you buy this. We'd love to have you as part of the family, you know, all that all that kind of stuff. So I like that you're connecting with those people like that. Yeah, well, especially nowadays since um, people are getting bombarded with ads and so many websites, it actually takes someone seven times to see your product now or even website to feel comfortable enough to purchase. So you, the retargeting ads really come in handy for that because how else are you going to get in front of them, especially if they sell the product, but they're not going to, they kind of care about it, but don't really care about it. So they're not going to follow you on Instagram. They're not going to follow you on Facebook. So what? the only way to really successfully get that lead to warm it up even further, because, yeah, they'll kind of warm at this point, but you want them to be, like, hot, like, bye. Right. So the retargeting ads help. Yeah, and then what's even more awesome is she's using her retargeting ads to get them to become that hot lead. So from warm, they've already visited her website. That means that, oh, they're comfortable with her brand, and now they're hot, like they are ready to purchase. Okay, well, now they're going to become a loyal fan. So that's like the next step is like the raving Mm -hmm. fan. So now they're on her email list because they've already purchased. And so let's say she comes out with a new product. Well, they're a really loyal fan at this point, or let's pretend they are you know they could like drop off who knows they could just want the case but for instance for me I'm a loyal fan so I would say how many percentage do you feel like your hot leads turn into loyal fans most of them do so we have a 30% conversion rate on our email list so 30% um the average is 20% for email and for me I'm trying to get it even higher up so 30% is our conversion for that and 
that's why you want to email us because especially right. after this purchase you want to keep following up stay in the forefront of the mind because it's easier to sell to someone who's already bought from you yep. than it is to sell to a cold audience and i'm the only person in the whole world book that would call it a hot when people buy just no i've heard that thing. before i've heard okay, that so term yeah. I actually rarely ever hear that term. I'm just in case anyone ever, um, if anyone tries to Google, I'm like, that might be just a Janet Ward. So no, just, it's not. I've heard cold, warm, hot. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Okay. No, people use that. Okay, I'm just checking because I just like because I know that when I listen to podcasts, sometimes I Google the words that I don't understand completely. That's like, uh, just a warning. But yes, yeah, so because, like you said, if I come up out with a new product, you bet that. I'm going to target my newsletter first because they're more likely to buy it. They're easier to convert. Why spend all the effort trying to get cold leads? It's so expensive with Facebook ads. Oh, yes. To warm up cold leads. Like, I'm warming up some cold audience now just to test it out. It's 97 cents a click, so that's not that bad. Oh, that's good. Oh, it's amazing, but that's after 10 of the tests failed. Um, Uh, But you have to really test and you really have to nail it down. But 97 cents is not bad, but if you Mm -hmm. think about it, that's 97 seven cents a click that just went through to Walmart. That's not even right. a lead purchase. Right. So what's better than not having to spend all that money right away? Email list. You can yep. just convert all the people who's already on your email list yep. if you don't have that kind of income to warm up all this cold audience because it really does get expensive. It does. And, you know, like you said, start with those warm audience. If you have a physical product, retargeting is the way to go for sure. Um, But if you don't start with like a warm audience, you can put a Facebook pixel on your website and then create Mm -hmm. a new audience with that. And that could be your warm audience. So there are a lot of different ways to go about it. But I'm so glad you mentioned that cold audiences and cold audiences, someone that's never heard of your brand before. So like, yeah, she's reaching someone that has never even heard of these awesome cases or seen them on pin, or they might have, but you know they they've never actually visited not, our website. Yeah, exactly. They're not exposed to my brand, so cold right. audience is definitely someone who has never even had contact at all. And yeah, we're trying to warm them up, so it's just so expensive. I, I keep saying that because everyone's just like, I'm going to get into Facebook ads. I'm going to target all this. I'm going to target all that. If you don't really know your interest or your target audience either, yep, that just gets so expensive. Right. So what's your cost per acquisition of a customer? Do you know that? We don't know that just yet because these ads are new. So I just started Facebook ads this year. I wish I had that number, but not right now. Okay. Yeah, I would find that really interesting to know because, I mean, you could easily scale that once you really honed in. And I know video ads, if you're targeting a cold audience, video ads perform so much better. Way better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially if you see brands that do a brand story with it. And I'm just a little bit shy about video, so I haven't taken the plunge. But if you have a product that needs a little education, like my product mm-hmm. does need education. A lot of people, if anyone ever watched Shock Tank, you know yep. that. the oh, shock yeah. story, I love Shock Tank. Like, God, that's like my binge-worthy show right there. But and that's so like business-esque of us to just yeah. want to watch Shark Tank. But anyways, by Shark Tank, they always say education is the death of any product. But thanks to the use of social media videos, you can actually get around that educate while mm-hmm. warming your leads. Right. Yeah, and like for your product, for instance, you could easily do more of like a lifestyle fashion blogger shoot instead of uh, education-based so that you're like educating them, but not really. And yeah. you could do that so really edu- creatively. Education is not like what you probably think about, like informing them of the benefits, but it's showing the benefits. Right. So like I would show them the benefit of having a case, how to put it on. Oh, it's 360 protection. 
but it's stylish. It's modern design, so you don't have to sacrifice design full protection. And my hand-painted phone cases, because they're at a higher price bracket that most people are not used to, mm-hmm. I have to show them why it's that way. Like, Teeks does this very well. They are what? They cost $100 average for ballet shoes that you can probably get at Payless for, like, $5. So how do they break that barrier? And how right. do they break that um, wall down to get people? Like, they have a loyal fan base. They do it very, very well to get people to buy a hundred dollar ballet flats and it's because they educate in a marketing way of showing the benefits and just showing the details and why you're paying this much for it that's fantastic well uh with let's talk about real quick when they get on your email list i feel like that that's good so you you know you're retargeting them on facebook ads and then you're they're on your email list with your 10 percent off coupon that's on your website which is awesome She has a 10% off coupon, guys. (laughs) Yeah, and that's a lead-in. So you always want to have a lead-in to your email list because why else are they signing up? Most people do sign up for our free monthly um, wallpaper. So if that's not on the book, which size the 10%, you get a free digital wallpaper every month. Um, Not shamelessly pitching myself right now. Mainly pitching my email list because, like I said, that yeah. email list. So, yes, so you want to lead in, like, you want to value, like, a funnel, literally a funnel of uh-huh. how you're going to get them through your email list. So, obviously, it's that 10%. Okay, so right. what's your welcome sequence? How are you warming them up even more? How are they getting to know you? And then you have to do the follow up even more again to keep staying in front of them because we send out emails once a week, but I know a lot of people advise that if you can do it once a day. Really? Yes, and a lot of people, I can already hear a lot of people say, but all that content creation. Actually, a book I recommend everyone read is Dotcom Secrets by Russell Brunson. He is the king of sales funnel. And it, yep, you have it. I literally um, have it right beside me right now. Um, I have yep. both. I have oh all goodness. his books. Yeah, and I, I also, have the other one too, right by me as well. Yeah. Yeah, and did you read his book, 108 Ways of Split Testing? I, I have I, not. That's a genius way if you really want to optimize your website for conversion. But I've read everything he has written because it's gold. He's a so genius. Yeah. And we're talking about Russell Brunson, by the way. Anyone that's listening, .com Secrets and Expert Secrets is the two books that we both have. And you know that it's good. We have not – this is the first time we're talking and we both have read the same exact books <laughs> and have them right by us on our desk. So you know Russell Brunson is good. Um, he's the king of marketing. That's yes. why I always recommend you read everything – he writes. Yeah. And so he's actually very good at sales funnel. He explains it way more in depth because I'm not going to get too um, mm-hmm. in depth about it. But the content creation is what scares people from writing um, daily emails because, of course, it scares me too. I don't want to create when I'm already posting right. every single day on Instagram, pinning 11 times on Pinterest. That's not even compared to any other like content creation I may do. So I understand that that's a lot of hesitation. But he actually um, presents the Seinfeld method. So everyone knows the Seinfeld is a show about nothing. Most people just want a story and an email that they can relate to. So he uses an example about him wrestling. So he's like, I'm going to go wrestle. He sells funnels. That has nothing to do in relation with what he does. Right. He's talking about, it's, and I'm not talking about like a long story either. It was a quick little paragraph that says, I'm going to go wrestle now. Yes, I'm a grown ass man that's wrestling. So you don't get your ass kicked on the mat like I do with sales funnels. You should hire me. That's how he closes it in. Like, wow. how genius is that? That's amazing. He just literally leads you in because you're like, okay, why is he talking about wrestling? He got your interest because it's something totally random. Right. Then he leads you into a soft pitch, basically. And then he hits a little harder at the very end when he's just like, look at all, um, all the places you can actually, like, click through because you want to have a click-through um, link always right. to really convert. Always. But, yes, 
click-through link to hire him. And I was like, that's genius. And he was like, if you just need help coming up with content, just record your everyday life. Like, you can record it and have a VA dictate it. Like, um, what's that thing called? One Transcript. Day? Thank you. So I totally didn't use the right word. Transcribe it out <laughs> yeah. for you. So even if it was just – I one of my best um, – email that converted was me talking about my dog I was like these um accessories are puppy approved and then I go into about how Clyde likes this product and like I tell a little story about Clyde Clyde is my dog Lily I'm talking about a dog here's two or three sentences about my dog then it leads into what he likes from my site oh I love it See, I'm, I, I got a little strategic with it because I know people can't deny a cute puppy face oh no no but if you can, it doesn't take a lot to co- create content. Like, I'm not saying create a whole beautifully graphic designed one. You can just do a couple words that leads into that pitch. Sometimes they just want a quick email to read. The only thing you have to re- um, remember is to make that subject line a cl- clickbait. That's interesting that, clickbait. that you say he, uh, he recommends once a day because I'm on his email list and he doesn't email once a day. I, I'm on his email list too. And yeah, I know. He I doesn't, find that yeah. Whole- I, I think, found that hilarious. When did he write this book? Because it may have changed. Like, actually, a lot of but if you see a lot of big brands, they do hit you once a day. Really? And you can actually have people sign up for frequencies of your email, so you don't hit them as much. There'll be backlog. So if you can, like, another key to email list is segmentation. You want to segment up your list. Right. Yeah, segment up your list and have them give them the offer of how. Uh, frequently they want your email you'll be surprised how many people would sign up for daily and versus like bi-weekly like weekly bi-weekly and monthly yep so yeah actually he does i think he doesn't do it because he actually has so many sales when i'm out and about and he works with other companies i don't think his main focus is that but he was doing a i want to say test experiment on this when he was like he saw businesses do way better with better results of conversion when they were emailing every single day. I guess it's because you're having your customer base create a habit of opening up your emails. Yeah, and not only that, that, you're always staying in the front of the mind. So right. think about, okay, so they need, they need to buy a laptop case. Guess what? They see my name every single day. Right. I'm going to be the first thing they think of. Everything that you do, you need to have a strategy with. So yeah. for us, we only do one email a week, but we're working our way up to it. The key to all this is automation. Like so the key to any like having success is consistency and automation. So what, like you have to have the discipline to sit down once a month and batch it out completely, like knock it out of the ballpark. So you have a goal of writing every single day. That's seven emails. That's thirty-five emails. When you think about it, these emails don't have to be long either. That can be done in a day. Mm-hmm. So it's actually how dedicated you are to growing this email list and providing value, still providing value. Yes, the Seinfeld method is a really an email about everything because every other email should still provide value, but not every single email. Right, right. So if that makes sense, so definitely like work your way up and automate it. You have to automate like it. Like, yeah, because anything that we do as an entrepreneur, we have to do so much. So I see the overwhelmness. I see the fact that we pivot the minute someone says, oh, this is how I'm getting my audience. And then they quickly go yep. to that. But a lot of people have to remember that other people's success is not going to be all success. Right. That we have to find our own way of doing it. So don't ever feel pressure just because I'm saying you have to do like an email a day to stay forefront. If it's not something that you want to do, don't do it. Because mm-hmm. it's going to show in your email when you're not passionate about it. 
I absolutely love that advice. And I like that you said you're working your way up. I feel like that's a really good outlook to do that. Like start at one a week and then work your way up. Maybe do two a week and try that for a month or two and work your way up. Heck, you can even start at one a month because I literally started at one a month and worked my way up to one a week. There's seriously no pressure as long as you have to definitely do at least one a month because you still have to <laughs> I make sure agree. that your email list needs to know you're alive and they right. can't like oh what's this person doing in my inbox because I can guarantee you unsubscribe rate is going to go through the roof like yep. that yeah but yeah so yeah don't ever feel pressure just because you hear all these advice you listen to podcasts like as entrepreneurs we do get very overwhelmed with all the information that's yes. out there be selective and choose what's best for you that's fantastic advice I love that oh yeah because I got overwhelmed I burnt out I will be honest and say I burnt out the first three months this year because I was doing YouTube videos on top of everything I was doing goodness so gracious yeah, YouTube videos I was filming I was editing I burnt out and I was like this is not the life I wanted and right. am I really converting is it a value make a priorities of what you need to do first so for me Instagram is my first priority, then Pinterest, and so forth. I listed out number of priorities and content creation as obviously I need. Right. So if it's not converting right now, then it can be put off later. Because like as entrepreneurs, we also have to worry about income. Yes, exactly. Focusing on, okay, what is my product that I'm making the most money with? Or what is, you know, those products? And then focusing in on that. Yeah, and like what platform you're converting highest off, mm-hmm. focus on that, become a master at that, then move on. Like there's this thing called content switching. Every time you switch from one platform or even one project to the next, you decrease by 20% in productivity. Everyone on my team has one task. They have one expertise that I expect. I have the expectation. They have to be an expert in because that's all I ask of them. Right. Yeah. Todd Herman talks about that a lot. Um, I'm in his course and I love it so much. The 90 day year. It's phenomenal. Like if anyone ever feels overwhelmed, do the 90-day year. I did. I just started that in April and I have seen, never seen higher conversion. Oh, really? Just because I'm focusing on one thing at a time. Like when I said I got burnt out the first couple months is because I was doing everything, trying to do everything and trying to do it all. That's how you fail. So Todd Holman preaches about focusing on one goal and one project at a time that will progress to the next level. I'm not saying forget everything else, mm-hmm. but make something a priority because if we're spread so thin, we're trying to juggle 10,000 balls in the air. Right. They're all going to eventually fall because we're not actually progressing. We're not moving forward. Yeah. Well, that's so cool that you're in his course. I love, 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 loved his video series. It was so See, eye-opening. Yeah, that's what hooked me in. I was just like, okay, I'm going to do the course. I didn't do his um, coaching um, because it is expensive, but the course was definitely more affordable. So I am going through his course, and it has a lot of valuable information. He's actually one of the courses I would recommend because a lot of courses nowadays do have a lot of fluff in it. And, again, we don't have enough time to go through all the fluff. I just want all the, like, meat of the content, and he does it very well. Yeah, well, that's good. I feel like a, a lot of courses do have the fluff, and that's why I'm a little skeptical, but Todd Herman is definitely a guy that does not seem – he seems like mm-hmm. an anti-fluff guy, so. Oh, he – even in his course, it's short, straight to the point. I only have to – I don't want to spend that much time on it, but nice. the content – the content he delivered is going to be mind-changing. And that mindset is what we all have to get mindset. into because that 90-day mindset, game-changing. It really does drive more results if you're not juggling 10,000 things at once. Yeah. 
Well, I'm so glad we got to talk about all of this. This has been so much fun. I feel like we could probably talk for another two hours uh, about we marketing. Can. <laughs> I love marketing content creation. That's Me my jam. too. Oh man, I I'm kind of obsessed with it. I feel like I spend at least two hours every day just learning more because I love learning. Um, yeah. I <laughs> know that's exactly how I. Someone else asked me how I start my day each morning. I wake up at seven a.m. and for two to three hours every single morning, I'm learning something. I, I'm either listening to a podcast, I'm either taking my course, or I'm doing yeah. something to learn. That's how I start my day off. Yeah. Because you, like, the reason why I also, okay, one last thing, but the reason why I like that 90-day game plan is because in our fast-changing world, after 90 days, everything becomes irrelevant. Hmm. And also, and if you do any plan anything out beyond 90 days, there's a lack of action, and you have time to procrastinate. Yeah, which I realized I was doing because when I was like, by December, I'm going to do this. I haven't made one step towards this goal because I was like, oh, well, I have so much time. So that's why the 90-day mindset works because you only have 90 days to accomplish it. And that's why it's called the 90-day year because anything right. beyond that is irrelevant and there's just no action being done because you're like, I have all this time. No, you do not. So interesting. I love that way that yeah, you thanks. Yeah, it was so mind-blowing blowing that – Honestly, I have remodeled my whole structure and work um, routine around this for a reason. It does make sense. So I get so excited because I'm like, I love, like, I love the 90 day year. I can keep, and I'm not an affiliate or anything. I don't get paid to talk yeah. about this. Like, I always have to say that because I feel like a lot of people are affiliated. Yeah. I'm like, no, I'm really passionate about it because it makes sense. It does show results when you start thinking this way. I love it. Well, where can people find you? Oh, uh, on Instagram at Janet Gwen Designs. Yes. An S. Pinterest without the S because you can only have so many characters. And my website, JanetGwenDesigns.com. I know that one S in Pinterest literally drives me nuts because I'm like, there goes my consistency. Yep. Yeah, and you can also just Google me at Janet Gwen Designs and everything will pop up just to make it easier. Nice. Okay, well, go find her and go to the show notes because I have all of, like, I have a picture of my laptop in her beautiful case and, and all <laughs> of the links you. that we talked about in the show oh, today. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of links, but it's going to be a lot of information that is going to help um, you and just all of this marketing activity. So go to the show notes at marketbeautifully.com slash podcast. Then I'll have it all separated into the links and then where you can hang out with her. And it's, <laughs> it's going to be a blast. So uh, thanks for coming on the show. I'm, again, so thankful that you got to come on and we got to chat. No, this was awesome. I'm, I'm now really excited. So thank you so much. <laughs>